This is Rob Peary with the Coffee Runs Deep podcast, where we interview coffee farmers, coffee roasters, and we share their stories. Truly hope you enjoy the experience. What's going on, everybody? Rob Peary here, and we have an exciting guest on today. His name is Martin Granda. Uh, he's from Ecuador. His farm is Simple Verde Farms. Uh, it's always green. We got some exciting topics we're going to be diving into today. We're going to be discussing the fermentation process that they actually use on their coffee. We're going to be going into the different coffee regions of Ecuador. We're going to be discussing how they price their coffee and stuff like that. We're also going to go into the potential origin trips that they're going to do in the future as far as kind of like an Airbnb one of the farmhouses they have there. Uh, that seems pretty cool. I'm kind of interested in, you know, how that kind of is going to play out. And then also we're going to kind of touch on the diversification of their farm. They don't just farm coffee. They farm other types of crops and even some things you may uh, not would consider that people down there would farm. So I think it's pretty cool. Uh, with that being said, I truly hope you enjoyed this episode and I had a great time talking to Martin. What's going on, Martin Granda? <laughs> hey, Rob, how are you? pretty good dude uh yeah truly appreciate you getting on here and kind of doing this with me i know you're a coffee farmer down in ecuador and yeah yeah, dude just wanted to get you on hear your story kind of see how long y'all been doing it what do y'all do exactly and uh what type of coffees and stuff like that so yeah tell me a little bit about yourself sure appreciate that the opportunity i think uh what you're doing and what you're hoping to achieve with this, uh, it's, it's pretty cool just to give a lot more exposure to the producing side of, of the coffee industry. So yeah, right on. This is, this is pretty cool. So, so my family, uh, you know, where we, we live in Ecuador, um, we got into the specialty coffee industry around 2015. So if anything, we probably would be considered um, baby farmers uh, by some standards in the industry, there's there's people that have been doing this for a lot longer. Uh, but we got into into coffee farming in 2015 because of a government initiative to introduce specialty coffee in Ecuador. There were some farmers that have that were doing this for you know way before this initiative. But I think the government in around 2015 kind of saw the opportunity to, because of specialty coffee was growing around the area, you know, you have Colombia, Peru, Brazil. So they they kind of saw an opportunity to introduce the industry a little bit more in the country. Uh, so we were one of, uh, I don't know really how many pilot farms they had, but we were one of the pilot farms that the Ministry of Agriculture work with and you know they initially provided the seeds the technical support to kind of get us get us going and help us you know enter into the industry so when we started we really we really didn't know nothing about coffee farming uh you know six six years later we've we've learned a lot about coffee farming and just you know everything that goes into the industry but that's that's kind of how we got started you know prior to that and in our family-owned farm that uh, you know, we've had in the family for, for many generations. Uh, my grandparents used to produce coffee, but at, at a very commercial, you know, level. Uh, and, you know, we're talking about, you know, the nine, 1960s, 1970s. Oh, wow. So kind of back, back in the day, not a lot of infrastructure, not a lot of, a lot of technology. As a matter of fact, one of the stories that my, 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 my family has shared about coffee uh, from my grandparents is how they used to, uh, you know, pick the coffee uh, at the farm, dry it at the farm, 
but then they would have to take the coffee by donkey to another farm nearby where it would be picked up and then taken through car two hours away from there to to the milling station because you know there was no coffee infrastructure anyway around us so that's kind of a little bit of, about about co- uh, the history of coffee in our farm and our family so if you take into consideration my grandparents you know you you could say they're first generation my, my parents they're second generation uh, and I'm third generation and you know, uh, you know, kids that, you know, come after us, they would be considered fourth generation. But yeah, we've been in the coffee, especially the coffee industry since 2015. Uh, the two varieties that we are growing right now are Tipica Mejorado and then the Red Katura. Um, Tipica Mejorado is it's, it's a very interesting uh, variety. Not a lot of people, I think, uh, either have heard of it or, or know of it. And and there's actually a, a, a little bit of uh, back and forth or where that varietal was really, where it really came from. Some people uh, say, it, you know, it was a, a mix between uh, bourbon and, and geisha. So there's a little bit of, you know, uncertainty as to what type of, of, of varietal, where that came from. But, you know, if, if you watch some of the, the, the competitions that some the producer competitions that uh, you know take place. Tipica is one of those you know varietals that a lot of farmers in Ecuador have, and and, and it does really well. Did John um, choose those two, or did like the government kind of is was that part of the initiative? What they were going to kind of push. So so um, we we didn't necessarily choose them, and I'm I'm not even sure that when we started the project we had you know the knowledge to to say. You know, this variety would do really well here and there. So I think uh, so what what they did is they kind of paired us up with people that were already growing coffee and they helped mm-hmm. us get uh, the seeds from those farms and, and things like that. So but it, it has paid off really well. Those are two really good varieties and and they've done really well for us. Yeah, I've heard of the um, Red Couture before and the Typica I've heard a good bit about. So uh, that's pretty cool. So you already had like the land. Um, so the initiative really wasn't to like give any like land or anything it was more to just help you already kind of build build out like coffee specialty coffee on land you already had then correct right yeah so how, how that, big is y'all's farm then down there so so our farm our farm is pretty big uh it's my, our farm obviously has been passed down from generation to generation um we have about like 60 or 70 uh hectares but not everything is uh, farmable land and not everything is, is coffee producing. The, the area that, that we really have used at this point for, for coffee farming is just a little bit over two hectares. And, and so we kind of designated that area specifically for, for specialty coffee. And now six years later, you know, we're looking into expanding that and, and hopefully in the future, other uh, adding other varietals. Um, yeah. But yeah, we started, we started pretty small. Uh, no. <laughs> Not Nakers? I'm, I'm curious about that. I'm going to have to look that one up. So so y'all grow other things though already. Yeah. So I, I just looked it up real quick. So one hectare is about 2.5-ish acres. Okay. Um, oh, wow. So, so five acres then, yeah. I guess, you, you know, with two hectares. Uh, yeah. So, so coffee uh, was kind of like an added on project that we took on in, in 2015, uh, prior to that, what my parents were have been, you know, this whole time for 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 a little while, been specializing is in uh, ferns. 
they grow ferns at the farm. Um, and that kind of has been the main um, thing that we've done at the farm for, for a long time. And then uh, even prior to coffee, we, we do have um, kind of like the coffee right now shares the space in some of the areas with some of the fruit trees that were already there. Uh, so we have oranges and we have avocados. Those are the two main uh, produce that we, that we have at the farm too. But those are also very small scale, uh, kind of like the coffee is. Um, yeah. Yeah. So do you feel... I mean, would, would, would y'all ever switch over to like a monocrop where you only did coffee or would you keep that diversification in case of fluctuations and stuff like that? Because honestly, it seems kind of like the smart way to move. If, if the coffee prices are down, you still got other things you'd be able to kind of sell and do. Is that, would y'all ever consider doing all coffee or probably not? Uh, I mean, that's a, that's a very interesting question. Uh, I think for us up to this point, uh, the, the driver really at the farm, what has allowed us to, to, you know, to provide for us and also to provide for the team that uh, works with us, it, it has been the ferns. That has been a very, very stable market. And, you know, we've been in it for, for, you know, 20 plus years. So we're, we're, pretty established in Ecuador and in, in, in terms of that. And um, it's since it, there's such a, a good amount of stability in the market, I think it would probably be hard to, to move away from it. We've also built a lot of infrastructure for that market specifically. Um, and, but I mean, coffee is definitely a, a, an interesting market to be in it. Um, at least for us at this point, I don't think that the coffee uh, would be the, the, the only thing that we could do to, to make, uh, ends meet, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It almost seems like it'd be kind of more risky if you did go completely into coffee. Um, so what, what, is, so how many kind of coffee farms are there down in Ecuador? Like when you're driving around, do you see many, or is it kind of rare for your, for y'all? I don't, I don't think is as common, um, as, as you would think from other, other countries, um, you know, countries like maybe like Brazil or Colombia. And I yeah. think a lot of it is also based on, on location. Um, so there are certain regions in Ecuador where coffee is grown and there are some other ones where, where it, it isn't. But I would say that at least in the, in the four main regions that we have, so we have, uh, the, you know, the, the highlands, the mountains where we are, we're in, the coastal region, uh, the rainforest, and the Galapagos and all the four regions, uh, there is a specialty coffee being grown. Um, but um, at least to my knowledge, I'm not sure that there are any like mega farms out there. I think uh, a lot of them are kind of smaller to medium sized producers. Um, and, you know, I, I think at least in our case, uh, our, our farm is, is in a pretty remote area. So you would have to drive out of the way to even, you know, come across it, across it or know that it's there. Um, I, I know of at least another farm within the vicinity of maybe like an hour uh, and they do really good specialty coffee as well. Um, and then some of the other farms that I know, I know, you know, in our province are a little bit farther away than that. Okay. So as far as like, you know, I think you said about five acres is what it would kind of be equal out to. Um do you pick it? Do, do y'all pick it yourselves? Like, how long does it take to kind of 
pick five acres and then do you do anything with it or is it pretty much just bagged up and y'all bring it to like a mill or something? Yeah. So, so it's, uh, it's based on seasons, right? So your harvest season can be from, you know, uh, uh, this year for us, our harvest season started right around like March, February and March. And we're going, you know, pretty strong. We think that we're going to go through August and maybe a little bit into September with what would be considered like the main harvest. Uh, So that's uh, harvest or a timeframe that you're, you find yourself picking coffee uh, three to four days a week um, for the, for the majority of the day. Um, So, and then, you know, the, the rest of the months either is like very, you know, low yield uh, that doesn't require a lot of harvest, maybe like a day a week or like a day every two weeks or so. Um, And, and so, so at the farm, we have a, a team, a team of, you know, people from our community that work with us full time. And we, you know, we, we, we work together, uh, you know, through the harvest season, picking the coffee, we pick all of our coffee by hand and we do all of our process um, from harvest to basically um, the drying and the storage of the coffee and parchment at the farm. Um, So, yeah, so we, we, you know, we pick our coffee, we, you know, we go through a process of, of cleaning the coffee, uh, the, the coffee that we're producing right now. Um, and we kind of got into this uh, last year into, I, I don't know if, if you heard much about it, but the, the, the world of um, control fermentations in, in coffee. So, so we're doing, uh, uh, we started doing that last year. So the coffee that we're producing right now um, it kind of is under a uh, controlled ferment, uh, fermentation and environment. Okay. Yeah. I, I just had like my first fermentation uh, coffee here. Uh, I think it was from Colombia, if I'm not mistaken. And it was, it was amazing. Like, I'm not gonna lie. It was probably, it definitely ranks up there with one of the best coffees I've had. Um, I don't know. You could honestly, especially whenever I was brewing it, it had that whiny smell to it for mm-hmm. some reason. It yeah. was very different. I, I like, I don't, I'm going to taste more. All I had was a sample and obviously it's just like two, I think it was like a three ounce little bag that I got, but, um, so I haven't really, uh, got to like cup it that much or anything, but I definitely want to dive into that. Cause that was, that was different. It was very different than what I'm used to, which I was very surprised. So that's, that's cool. So y'all were doing a ferment, like, how, like, what does that even look like? What, what, what do you do exactly? Uh, so, so basically, uh, control environment, uh, or control fermentation, it's, it's kind of the idea of having a system or a method that you are developing for fermenting your coffee that you can replicate time after time to help you produce, uh, very similar results, uh, year after year. So, uh, you know, a lot of people use, uh, fermentation tanks and those like vary, yeah, you know, they can be uh, plastic type tanks, they can be metal type tanks, uh, stainless steel, and, and, you know, there's a different, uh, there are a lot of options out there for, for doing, uh, you know, for, for the types of containers that you use to ferment your coffee. Um, some, some of them are in anaerobic type environments where there is no oxygen coming uh, into the tank. So typically what you do is you, ha- you have a one-way valve um, where everything, you know, goes out of the tank, 
but nothing really is introduced inside the tank. Uh, so that's kind of the, the fermentation that we're managing right now with our wash coffee. Um, and then uh, in control fermentations, you're basically um, kind of like wanting to get, getting to the point that you want to understand what's happening in the fermentation. Uh, so you're like reading pH, uh, you're reading bricks, you are uh, taking uh, notes on temperature changes, whether it's like, you know, the, the environmental temperature or, or the place where the coffee is being fermented, but also the temperature inside of the tank and, and kind of like understanding, uh, you know, all the, all the different variables that are changing through the fermentation process. Um, and then I, I, there isn't really one recipe. There isn't really one, one thing uh, or one, one goal. I mean, some people can take that fermentation for 24 hours. Some people can take that for like 48, 72, 90 plus hours. Um, and you know, they, you know, they, they kind of want to, it's, it's a way of the, the producers right now are, are, are trying to kind of take coffee to the next level and uncover, uh, you know, the different, um, elements that the coffee has and, and how they can, uh, capitalize on, on that and, you know, bring out new, new things from the coffee. So it's, uh, it's, it's a very, very interesting world. There's, there's a lot of like innovation inno innovation happening right now. Um, and there's a lot of people that are like, you know, trying new things, uh, you know, by no means we're like pioneers. There's a lot of people that are uh, doing even more complex types of fermentations. I mean, to the point that, uh, you know, they're, they're looking at microorganisms under a microscope to like really understand what's happening, uh, you know, with, with, during the fermentation process. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of that happening right now. Uh, and, um, you know, we, we, we've started doing that last year and, and we've had really, really positive results with our wash coffee right now. That's cool. So, so as far as like the drying process, you know, like the kind of the, I guess you could say one of the most, uh, kind of what's the word, um, like the process method that you kind of see the most, uh, you know, the dry, the natural drying and then the wet processing, how much extra work is what you're talking about? Or is it extra work? Is it kind of more time consuming? It seems like it would be like having tanks and all that involved and stuff like that. Is it, is it more work? Uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a few more steps in, in the normal process. Uh, so, you know, and so like typically water, do, are you need a, a good bit of water, like access to water and stuff to really be able to do it. Well, if, if you're doing a wash coffee, uh, you know, you, you, you're going to need water at some point. Um, but I think, uh, the, some of the approaches that we're taking and the approaches that other producers are taking to, to, uh, to processing their coffee um, can take a, a little bit more water than traditional methods. And by that, I mean uh, that, you know, there's a process before you uh, entered into fermentation that where you want to clean your coffee, when you want to wash your coffee, you want to um, float the cherries and kind of, you know, uh, eliminate um, things that you don't want to go into the fermentation tank whether, you know, it's, um, you know, not good cherries or, 
just, uh, you know, rocks and stones and things like that. So there's that initial process that uh, does take some water uh, where, where you want to clean your coffee to the best of the ability so that, so that the coffee, once it goes into the fermentation tank is, uh, you know, it has been, um, you know, it has been clean and it has been um, left in a state where it is as, you know, as good as possible to then produce you, uh, you know, a, a good fermentation. Because you know, if, if you were you were if you didn't clean your coffee, if you didn't wash your coffee, uh, you know, however you put it into the fermentation tank, then all the other elements added on to that, it's definitely mm-hmm. going to impact and influence your fermentation. Okay. Just like you know, we would do with uh, with any produce that we buy. If, you know, if we don't wash anything, then you know whatever. Uh, whatever is it's attached to it that's what we're going to consume so it's just part of you know part of the process yeah um so after the fermentation process and everything after that you're pretty much done with it it would go to a mill or do y'all still have stuff y'all do so no so we said we have stuff that we do so you know you ferment the coffee for you know to achieve whatever goal you want to achieve with your fermentation and then after that, uh, if it's a wash coffee, it goes through that washing process where you're, you know, eliminating the mucilage and then putting the coffee in, in on drying beds. Uh, so we do the, the drying process at the farm too. And then um, with, with our coffee, we're basically after we have arrived to a certain humidity level, we, we pack our coffee in grain pro bags and, uh, and sacks and then put them in and storage at the farm. And then from there, it kind of depends what the, what the goal for that coffee is. So and, and we kind of, we have several different options, at least in our, in, in our case, that, that we can go with that. Uh, so we have local roasters in Ecuador that from time to time buy our coffee and they buy green coffee from us. So based on whatever need they have, we would take that coffee that is in parchment state we would take it to uh, a milling station um, and then, you know, just have the coffee milled so that we can deliver green coffee. Uh, if, if that coffee, for example, was to, um, was to go to a, a buyer outside of Ecuador and was going to be shipped outside, then depending on who we're working with, or who the buyer is working with, if they have someone that they're working with already, we may just deliver the coffee in parchment state and, and then they would take care of milling the coffee and repackaging the coffee, um, you know, put, putting all the, the codes and everything to, to go through export and imports. Um, and then... So, real, real quick, when you're saying parchment yeah. state, so is that saying some of the parchment is still on the seed so the mill would actually kind of clean and take all that off? Mm-hmm. Is that so? Yeah. So once it goes to the mill, that's what you're kind of talking about, just as far as like cleaning and getting it to that green, what we see as the roaster, that actual green coffee then. Right. So, so, so what we see as, as green coffee, it, it already has gone through. Uh, so, so you have your drying stage, right? Uh, you have, you have your coffee cherry, which has your skin and, and you, you, you either remove or don't remove that skin through the drying process. If you don't, you know, that's natural coffee. But if you do remove that, you know, that's either a honey or a wash coffee. So then it goes through the drying process, but either that skin that is already attached to the, to the coffee bean 
or even there's a there's an, an another layer, the parchment layer that is attached to the coffee during the drying process. Uh, that's what kind of hardens, but the coffee bean is is inside a green bean. Uh, so there you have to take it through another process to to reach uh, the, the milling process, the, the hauling process. I think that's sometimes what it's referred yeah, to I've as well. That. Okay, so that's uh, about the only process y'all don't do. Then is that end step. Right. That, that, that end stop is, is a uh, step is what we currently don't do it. Uh, and so we don't do it right now. Uh, one, because we just haven't gotten to the point of, of, of acquiring the, the machine that we need to do it. Uh, but then also two, because uh, storing coffee and, and parchment, uh, it helps with shelf life of the coffee, as opposed to storing the coffee in, 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 in green stage. Um, so, and, and mo the majority of our coffee right now has been going outside of Ecuador. So it's, it's best for us to store it in parchment and then deliver it in parchment so that, you know, the, the company that is taking care of the shipping uh, at the station, they can, they can go through that hauling or milling process and, and uh, you know, get it to the green state. And for the, for the, for the people that we've worked with in Ecuador, uh, the, the roasters that we've been working with that need green coffee, it has been fairly easy for us to, to um, find people within the industry that have a milling station that we can just go in and you know take the coffee and, and have it milled so that we can deliver green coffee. Because most of the time, you know, we're talking about very small quantities when it comes to to working with those local roasters. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So then do y'all sample roast or anything or or do you have a connection to one of the roasters that buy your coffee How, do, do you like get to taste your coffee much or no uh so so we do get to taste our coffee a lot more now than probably what we did you know two years ago uh we've developed really good relationships with local roasters and i think that's kind of one of the cool things about the, the specialty coffee industry in ecuador is, is a it's a small country uh, and, but the people that are in, in the industry, um, it, we've just been able to develop really good relationships and we, you know, we, we can basically work with roasters, uh, you know, really, really good high quality roasters, um, to help us understand the coffee, you know, after it leaves the farm, like, so what, 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 what's the end result of all the process that we, you know, took the coffee through at the farm level? Um, and how do we develop a, a, a roasting profile for this coffee? You know, how do we understand it? So, so they're really good roasters uh, in, in Ecuador that here that have helped us develop that. Uh, we even have a couple, uh, I can think of at least two or three coffee labs where they actually specialize and, and, and doing that, uh, helping the producer that may not have the facilities uh, to do that at the farm level, but help them understand, you know, what's, what's the end result of their coffee and, you know, helping them cup and, 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 and all of that. Uh, you know, some of them even partnered with the producers and, you know, you know through, throughout the year uh, and, and things like that. But there's also another, another, um, I guess, segment of producers in Ecuador that have really taken it one step farther. And at the farm, they not only produce coffee, but they also have kind of like small labs or small roasters. And those farmers are actually roast uh, roasters themselves. 
and and they kind of do the whole process themselves which i think is pretty cool they they understand their coffee from you know from very beginning to the very end and they can actually develop those um those uh roasting uh profiles for their coffees um so, so th there's there's a lot of that too in, in ecuador and it's it's a pretty cool what some of those roast uh, producers you know have also become roasters themselves yeah that's cool and that's cool that you can kind of get that feedback because i i can only imagine it probably helps you make adjustments and tweak and do whatever you kind of need to do um mm -hmm. is it something y'all would ever consider you know getting a little sample roaster and you know kind of trying and doing stuff like that or yeah yeah absolutely uh I, I think that's probably one of our our next uh steps to be able to to start roasting in a small scale um at the farm just you know for the sake of understanding the coffee uh, at that level too. Uh, as a matter of fact, my, my brother right now, he is in the process of, of, you know, establishing himself as a roaster. So he's, you know, he's, he's getting into that world and kind of like, hopefully not too long-term we can, um, have everything at the farm so that when we, you know, open our doors for people to come and visit us, we can provide that whole experience, uh, you know, from beginning to end and have people, um, see, you know, the roasting process, cup the coffee, drink the coffee and, and just, just see it all, uh, at farm level. I think that that's kind of our goals. Uh, so I think that would be really cool. Yeah. So that's another thing too. You were, um, so basically you're, you're wanting to kind of do like a, is it like an Airbnb type thing where people come or is it just like a, like an origin trip, uh, something like that, or I think we thought, yeah, I think we've toyed with toyed with both ideas. Um, um, we we definitely want to uh, be an origin uh, trip type uh, type of place where people can come in and 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 do coffee tourism and and see it uh, firsthand. Everything that goes into into coffee and and behind the cup that they're drinking, um, and you know, kind of you know, doing it either as as a as just an origin uh, spot or or some type of Airbnb, uh, yeah, I think all of that is is something that we've definitely definitely consider. Um, yeah, dude, that'd be pretty cool. And like I think kind of what we were talking about uh, a while back too. Like it definitely kind of helps you diversify as well too. Because I mean, you know, say say the coffee prices are down for a season or something, you know, you can still have that type of revenue coming in. And I, I mean, I have people ask me all the time, like, you know, am I going anytime or do I know anywhere you can go and this, that, and the other, it's kind of, it's one of them things where I know a lot of people go down there, but like navigating the safety and the, this, that, and the other, you know, different countries, different things like that. And like, you know, wh where do you stay when you get down there and stuff like that? Um, I think that'd be pretty cool. I, I, I really do. So how is Ecuador? Like, I know, you know, you always hear a lot about Colombia and Honduras and stuff like that. Like, um, how was how living in Ecuador? Is it pretty, pretty, I mean, is the government pretty good and politics and everything good or? Yeah, I, I think uh, just with, uh, just like with the majority of Latin America, um, politics in Ecuador are ever changing. Um, it just kind of depends on, on who's in power and um, you know what what their emphasis is going to be in in their government. Um, so it's it's uh you know it's 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 changing. Um, Ecuador is I think even in, in the last few years has pr 
probably gotten his name a little bit out there more uh, in terms of tourism. Um, and obviously with, you know, with, with the pandemic that, that has been hard on the country. Um, but things are starting to, to open up a lot more, you know, pe people can really travel in, in, in the country, um, through the country and kind of like move, you know, move around. There's really not a lot of travel restrictions at this point anymore. Um, so it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty good. And, uh, I would say, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of like the majority of Latin American countries. There's, there's an instability sometimes, uh, politically speaking, uh, economically speaking, but then there's also stability, um, you know, you know, so it, it kind of depends is it's changing and, and, it, and it fluctuates. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, uneducated as far as like a lot of the countries down there, like, are y'all a democracy or, um, like what, what is Ecuador's political makeup kind of? Yeah. So, so, so a very similar, you know, to, to the, to the U S and, and the sense of we have a president that gets elected every four years. Um, you know, we have a Congress. Uh, so when we have the three uh, branches of government as well. Um, yeah. We have a lot more uh, political parties <laughs> that you guys have it in the States. Uh many more so i think that you know that's another very interesting dynamic too when when it when it comes to politics just a lot more political parties and and whether or not they they come to to agreements you know that's always a very interesting uh dynamic in the country yeah yeah, yeah i know we uh yeah i don't even want to <laughs> get in dire <laughs> it's pretty crazy so as far as i and i think y'all does ecuador use our dollar or use the dollar like the u.s dollar yeah so i, I think that's, I know that's, that was true or not yeah that's another really interesting fact to know about ecuador that i think it directly impacts the coffee industry and it's it's something that i think is worth mentioning and and worth understanding uh for for anybody who you know uh who cares or even uh you know cares about the coffee industry in ecuador so so our our official currency is the u.s dollar and it has been for um, over 10 years now, I would say. Uh, we used to have our national currency back in the day, but it, you know, it, it didn't do well. Uh, we had to switch over to, and, and we switched over to the US dollar. So we have a, a US dollar economy uh, for over 10 years now. And the US dollar in the area is a stronger currency than the rest of the national currencies. And that is important because it directly impacts, uh, you know, talking about coffee, it directly impacts cost of production. So cost of production of coffee in Ecuador is significantly higher than the majority of the co coffee producing countries in Latin America yeah. uh, because labor cost is also a lot more expensive having to pay in dollars. Uh, than than the rest of the other countries. So that's just an interesting fact, you know, to know and to consider when you are looking at Ecuadorian coffee, uh, looking to buy Ecuadorian coffee. It, you know, there's kind of no way around it. If if you if you have a dollar, uh, a U.S. dollar economy, um, it, you know, prices are going to be more expensive and for certain things. And and for us, labor costs is is up there so it, it directly imp impacts cost of production for for the country 
Gotcha. Well, going into pricing then, so how do, how do you price the coffee? Is it like a, do you go off like what a standard is for Ecuador at that point as far as market or do you like really add up like, okay, this is all my cost. This is my time. This is the expenses. And then, you know, put a margin on it to whatever your profit would be. Is it something like that? Or is it something that's kind of strictly stated, maybe even by the government? I don't really know how it works. How, how do you, how do you, how do you price it? Yeah. Like, what do you, I uh, guess, what do you sell to either the coffee roasters down there or the importers? How do you determine what that price is? Right. Uh, as far as I know, there is no uh, government dictated price for, for coffee. When we started, we were pricing our coffee based on what the industry was telling us that a price of coffee is in, in Ecuador. Like, uh, uh, and when I talk about price of coffee, I'm talking about pound, you know, of, of green coffee, the, the cost of uh, to produce uh, one pound of green coffee. So we were going based on that, and there were some there are some interesting studies out there. Um, about cost of production of coffee in Ecuador. As a matter of fact, um, there's a company, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but uh, there's a company called Caravela Coffee. And they work with, yeah, they work with, they're, they're, one, they're a pretty, uh, pretty big coffee importer and they work in seven countries in Latin America. And in 2019, they did a study of coffee production in all those different countries. And they were taking a look at, fixed cost and variable cost and kind of taking everything into account to come up with a price or to, to even try to understand a, a, the price for the cost of production for each of those you know, different countries. Uh, I think it's really hard to put a price uh, because there's so many different factors that go into coffee producing, not just from country to country, but also from farmer to farmer within the same country, yeah. uh, e- even in, in the same province, in the same state. So that's, I think, what something that makes it, it makes it very challenging to come up with a number. But studies like that were definitely uh, a good uh, initial step for us when we were pricing our coffee uh, in our early years, as far as like to try to understand it. But, uh, but it, it, you know, in reality, what we've been trying to do for the past year, year and a half now, is to truly, underst- truly understand cost of production for us. And that does require kind of like what you were talking about, really keep take, you know, keeping good books of, of everything that you're putting into the coffee, your, your fixed costs, your variable costs, you know, your labor, your, um, your equipment and, and um, you know, seasonal too, in terms of like, you know, you don't put the same amount of labor throughout the whole year. You know, harvest season is definitely where most of the labor, you know, goes into. And then, you know, uh, like I was talking about equipment that you're using, infrastructure that you're, you're, you're constantly building, or even when you're, uh, you know, replenishing your crops and, 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 you know, changing your plans, you know, there's, there's all of that. So that's kind of the approach that we've taken um, over the, the last year and a half to, to really try to understand cost of production for us so that we can price our, our, our coffee according to that, uh, you know, make sure that we're, we're not, you know, selling ourselves short or, or that, but that we're like, you know, pricing at a, at a level where we can also make a profit. Right. Um, so it's, I, I think it's, it's kind of a, 
a, a very a very good thing to do. It's, it's not it's not easy to do, but uh, but it's a good step in the right direction. At least you know we feel that way for us, and it's something that we you know we're constantly uh, reevaluating. Um, you know, so and, and it changes from from year to year. So, for example, last year our cost of production was. Uh, different than this year because our yield this year was is significantly higher than last year. So we're producing a lot more. Um, what do you, pr- what, what do you produce a year? So so this this year we're uh, we're estimating that we are probably close to let's let me think about if I'm remembering correctly. I think we're probably close to like four or like four thousand pounds. I think of 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 coffee. The the kind of like a, a good healthy goal per hectare is to have a yield of like uh, 30, 30 sacks of, uh, I think is one, uh, 100, 100, uh, 100 kilos. So, so yeah, that's kind of what we've been, we've been, uh, we've been doing this year and, and we really don't know until the year's over because, you know, we're, it's, uh, it's August and we're still going pretty strong. We're going to go, we're still going to be harvesting in September and then it's going to slow down f- uh, from there until the end of the year, but it's, it's, it doesn't really completely stop for us. Uh, so I, it's kind of like at the end of the year, you really have to go back and analyze all the different months and, and really see okay, how much did I produce this year. Yeah. Just to clarify that. So you're not harvesting all at one time. You're, you're basically harvesting, picking the ripe, and you're saying it takes that long for it the whole cycle to go through? So so we right. So we're we're only we only pick ripe. So our harvesting are yeah, we're we're picking for the majority of the year. Oh, uh, I did not realize that. Yeah. W- whether you know, whether it's uh you know, like May, June, July, where we're like picking like a, a you know, like I was telling you about basically like four days, three, four days a week, almost like six hours a day. Um, but then you can also have on the other side of the spectrum, like a, a December month where you may be picking like one day every two weeks for like six hours. Uh, it, it's just the, the coffee goes through the seasons of, uh, you know, your, your uh, maturation season in, in terms of like the, the cherry development, the flowering and, and, and all of that that goes into, into, into the, the plant. Uh, so it's, it, it's kind of a seasonal in that sense, but also the, the seasons, influence that so for example summer uh july june july and august where we get most of our uh sunlight exposure and the temperatures uh increase that's when we see that the 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 coffee cherries ripen a lot faster than we would see them in during the during the rainy seasons uh where the the ripening process takes a lot longer um and what what we're basically doing is you know you 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 handpick your ripe coffee uh, and then you take it through the whole process, you dry it, you bag it, and then you're like basically, you know, picking, drying, picking, drying, and then you're storing and, and then, um, you know, moving the coffee throughout the whole year like that, basically. Gotcha. Okay. Wow. I didn't realize it was that long. For some reason, I don't know, just, yo, I always think like the harvest season's like two or three weeks and then the trees bear and then it starts over. So it's not, oh, no. <laughs> not like that at all. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, There's it's definitely so weird what bunch. you think you know, and then like whenever you start talking to people, it's like, wow, I'm I'm completely clueless. Yeah, so, yeah, okay. and and not you know, and I'm not saying that's uh that's the same for yeah, every coffee yeah. producing country. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
Which honestly, that's why I want to do this because, like, I want to hear what Kenya does. What 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 do they do in Indonesia? You know, like what what's it? How is it different between all of y'all? You know, because I can only imagine your your process is probably completely different than what they do in Kenya and stuff like that. So, as far as like y'all's struggles and stuff over there, um, is is the lifestyle there pretty good and everything, or how how's that? Uh, so, so some of the challenges, uh, uh, you know, that we experience are probably some of the same challenges that I would say farming experiences or is experiencing in a lot of places. So by, by that, I mean that it does, there's, there's a tendency where uh, people are moving to the cities, are, you know, looking for a different type of, of, of lifestyle they're looking for, um, you know, to to get jobs in, in bigger cities. So they're kind of moving away from uh, from the rural areas. And, you know, we've seen that a lot more, at least in the last five years. So finding a help, finding a team that, you know, can help us through everything that goes into the farm, that is, you know, that's a challenge that sometimes we, we have to face. And, um, you know, we, we've been really blessed up to this point. We've been very lucky to be able to find the help that we've needed from the community around us. And, and, and that has been a really good thing for us. But it's, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, we've thought through, like, as the new generations uh, come, you know, wh- whether or not, you know, people are going to make those decisions to completely um, abandon, you know, farming the the countryside and and then how are we going to um overcome that challenge in terms of of the you know the the labor that is needed to 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 work a farm yeah i feel that's how it kind of is in the states now up here um like if you don't have a hundred thousand acres and you know hundreds of thousand dollars worth of equipment it's really hard to be a you know productive farmer there's still a lot of small farms but most of the ones that are really successful, I mean, there's, you know, it's a hundred thousand head of cattle farm or something, you know, it's like these mm. huge farms you can't even like fathom. It's just went to, it's so big now, you know, and it's really, I, I've, I grew up on a little cattle farm and I mean, we never had over like 50 head of cows and cows. And it was just like you, every year we kind of just broke even and dad finally got out of it, you know, cause it's really hard at that small level to really make it. And a lot of the dairy farms around here have all completely dried up and kind of, you know, let the, let the huge dairies have it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I can, uh, I, that's what I feel is something special about down there. Like it seems like all the farms are still pretty small and you still have that control over it, you know, where, I mean, our food production is basically in the hands of, a very few group of people up here, you know, and if, if that, those, that group was ever to, you know, kind of change things up or whatever, I mean, that it could really, really be devastating for, I guess, us because nobody knows how to do any of that anymore. You know, like the whole farming aspect, Mm -hmm. like that's rare, very rare that anybody knows how to do any of that. But, um, so yeah, it's pretty cool. So, um, really, I guess kind of, getting into the end, wrapping it up. What's, what's your goal? I know you're kind of, uh, you know, going to be eventually probably taking over the farm and stuff. What, what's, what's y'all's goal with it? Y'all going to continue to, uh, pioneer down that trail and build up and add on or. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's that's definitely been uh, a, a desire of, of of my family. You know, my my siblings, my parents, uh, you know, myself to to be able to continue that legacy that, that mom and dad have started uh, that they've worked so hard for for many many years and to um, you know to just do uh, to do well what they've done and 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 just build upon it. Uh, I we've we've really found uh something really special in in the in the in the coffee industry um and it's it's been really really good um to to be in it for the years that we have been in and so our desire is to to you know to continue to do what we've been doing and take it to the next level um you know and and by that things that we were talking about you know opening opening the doors of the farm for it to be hopefully an origin destination for where you know where people can come and stay and, and experience uh, coffee, you know from from the very beginning, we kind of uh, you know as a family you know we've been working on on building our brand, uh, on putting our name out there in in, in social media. You know we 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 uh, you know we want to get a website up. Uh, where, where, you know, people can learn more about us, learn more about coffee, uh, about how they can, uh, you know, work with us and, 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 and things like that. You know, this year we are, uh, you, know, you know, like I was saying, we're, we're, we're pretty, pretty new in the coffee producing world, but this year we're entering uh, some of the, the coffee producer competitions happening in nice. Ecuador, uh, like Cup of Excellence. And and there's another one that is is uh, that is also happening later on in the yeah. year, uh, to you know with with the goal of of uh, giving us a little bit more exposure and and so that people can know a little bit more, hopefully open up uh, more markets for us as well. And uh, I, we've we've just uh, you know over over this past year we've we've found found it really cool. Um, area working with small roasters, uh, especially a lot of small roasters in the U.S. And um, it, it's just been, it has been really, really uh, gratifying uh, to have found that and to be working with them. So we want to continue to, uh, you know, continue to work with people. And and I think uh, working with them uh, and, and, you know, with a consumer too, so closely, it, it kind of just helps remove all those uh, all those gaps that sometimes there are between, you know, um, producer and, and consumer. And it just allows us to collaborate a lot better and, and, and improve things for, for everybody. Uh, so those are some of the things that we have in mind that we want to, you know, continue to build upon, um, make, make an emphasis on. And, and um, yeah, we, we really like the coffee industry. That's we cool. like what we're doing. Y'all sell direct? So we'll, 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 I mean, would y'all sell direct to any farmers up here or is it kind of out of the question now with shipping and everything? No. So, so we would sell direct. Uh, so we've been, we've actually found a very interesting model right now to, to work under. Um, we, we are working with, uh, you know, we're, we're small producers, so we're not uh, importers ourselves. Maybe at some point we can work up to, to be an importer ourselves. Is that you like licenses uh, and certifications and everything? So, so right. To, okay. You yeah, we would have to go through the whole process of, yeah. of of getting all the different permits and you know not dealing with customs, 
uh, here in Ecuador and the U.S. and 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 all of that, you know, logistical transportation of the coffee, also, you know, within the U.S. and stuff like that. Uh, so we're, we're we're not there yet, but we've been uh, we've actually been partnering with people that are doing that, partnering with them to uh, help us provide that logistical service so that we can still, at the end of the day, uh, work as direct trade as possible with the roaster, with the consumer, uh, and not just necessarily selling the coffee to the importer and never seeing it again. So having a, having a little bit more, more of a relational uh, aspect to, to, to the coffee. So, so we've been doing that. Uh, we started doing that uh, this year, actually. Um, and, and it has, it has gone uh, really well. We have a few roasters that we've, uh, we've been working with on the West coast, the East coast of the U S and, and, and kind of like as, 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 as getting it as direct trade as possible under our current uh, circumstances. And then, you know, just continue to build upon that. Right. Yeah. That's so that's so cool. And, uh, Man, I I really enjoy these conversations, dude. Like this is it's really neat just hearing, you know, what all goes into it and just the perspective that y'all have down there with it and stuff like that and just how much work. Like I didn't I thought it was just like, you know, you pick one time, takes maybe a week or two <laughs> and you're done, but that's only five acres and I can't imagine like the the farms that are even larger and larger than that, you know? Right. So it's like it's just gotta be so much work. But uh Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So I guess wrapping it up, is there anything you want to say? And I'll link, uh, what, what's, what's your farm's name down there? Uh, Siempre Verde Farm. What's it mean? Uh, so Siempre Verde, it means always green. Okay, um, I knew green. I could tell green in there, but I didn't know what the Siempre was. Okay. Yeah, it means always green. And, and the, the history of the name is kind of interesting. With, uh, when mom and dad uh, started the, the fern business at the farm, uh, obviously ferns are, are green. Um, and that's kind of how they, that name started. They, they named the company always green yeah, because they were producing. I, don't, I think they're mm-hmm. green all year long. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Heck yeah, dude. So yeah, I'll, I'll link your, uh, site and all that below and your Instagram, I think is where I found you the, in the beginning. And like, you have a really good Instagram, like you have like the <laughs> stories and stuff on there and like the the videos i i enjoyed seeing that because honestly i was like wow you're you're pretty knowledgeable on all this stuff so that's yeah i kind of reached out in the beginning and took me a while to get the whole podcast thing <laughs> going so yeah that's I'm glad i was able to get you on you're actually gonna be my first farmer episode so uh Thanks for thanks for kind of putting up with me and being my first one, getting through all the kinks and everything. To yeah, to absolutely, to really appreciate it. Yeah, so yeah, so social media is definitely what we've uh, emphasized right now. We have our our Instagram, uh, we have we're on Facebook too, and kind of the next the next step for us, you know, is is, is putting a website out there. But uh, exactly what you're describing is is what we've wanted to do with Instagram. Uh, we wanted to build. Uh, a place where people can come and not just uh, see pretty pictures, but can actually like learn a little bit more about coffee farming, coffee producing and what goes into it. And, and just like, you know, provide a little bit more uh, of an inside perspective uh, of, of what we're doing at the farm, uh, what we're hoping to do with coffee and uh, you know, just, just a lot of transparency 
a lot of, uh, you know, with, with the specialty coffee, um, you know, a lot of traceability, you know, traceability is a big word that gets oh, yeah. thrown out there. So, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of us making that, uh, that, you know, contributing uh, to, 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 to traceability, you know, here yeah. we are, this is what we're doing. And, and this is where the coffee is coming from. You know, our coffee comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other thing you you have done really good, and well, well, y'all have done really good on on y'all's Instagram is like making it relatable. Like mm. seeing your mom and dad on there. Like it's like a it's almost like a family thing, and it's just really cool. It's like you mix in the knowledge, but you mix in the family uh, aspect of it. And it's like I don't know. After you go through your Instagram, you watch a few videos. It's like wow. Like you 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 almost like you're getting to know the person. And I think it's yeah. really cool because selling nowadays, I feel is almost like you got to make it so personal to kind of get people, you know, to purchase or whatever, buy into your story and everything. And I think it's definitely what, what you're doing is really good on there. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a family business, you know, oh, it's yeah. a small family business. So, so we definitely had to have to emphasize that. Yeah. Well, Martin, I'm a, uh, truly appreciate you being on here and uh if there's anything you want to tell anybody and you find you anywhere and stuff like that you can go ahead and do that if not i'll uh like i said i'll link everything in the you know descriptions and the comment bars and stuff below so yeah uh you know obviously i appreciate the 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 opportunity uh to talk about uh coffee in ecuador to share a little bit about our experience uh i hope this is the first of many conversations that we can have where we can you know, share knowledge and, and uh, just allow people to see the work that goes uh, behind the coffee that they're drinking. Uh, you know, definitely if, if people have uh, a chance, uh, definitely, you know, check us out on social media. And, and, and if, if people have the opportunity to uh, taste Ecuadorian coffee, to, uh, to purchase Ecuadorian coffee, whether it's green or roasted, uh, you know, definitely do that. It's, it's a, it's a very, it's a very cool uh, and, and new upcoming origin. Uh, you know, producers are doing uh, a heck of a job in the country to produce good quality coffee. And, uh, you know, it, it, it shows. Uh, so, you know, all, all the support is always much appreciated. I haven't really seen too much Ecuadorian coffee. So it's cool to, that's kind of what I wanted to have you on too, because it's one of those, I don't know if it's rare, but yeah, you don't see it in, too many coffee shops and stuff now so mm-hmm. i'd definitely like to see more of it and that'd be definitely pretty neat that's about it then so all right well i do appreciate you being on buddy yeah likewise man thanks for having right. me go ahead and uh, cut the recorder off real quick later so i truly hope you enjoyed this episode and i wanted to thank martin again for hopping on here with me and doing this it's super cool conversation i personally learned a lot from it um, I, I did not know much about the fermentation process and I really never thought about farms really diversifying their, uh, their crops and stuff like that. And if you want to check out Martin, we'll link his information below. Y'all can reach out, buy some coffee, uh, support them any way you can. Next up, we're going to be talking to a coffee importer from El Salvador. And then after that, we're going to be moving into a smaller coffee roaster who is literally just straight crushing it. So looking forward to those two coming up next. Got some pretty good episodes lined up, so I'm anxious to start rolling them out. If you'll have any questions, like always, hit me up in the comments. I'm always down there. Enjoy speaking with you, talking to you, conversing. And yeah, if y'all have anything... Like always, hit me up. Like, comment, subscribe, do all that. If you want to support on Patreon, the links are down there. I love y'all. Peace out.